Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Austin coming back at you with another episode of the Coffee Break Hems podcast. Today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about something that I am so excited about. Talking about a little bit of acid base stuff today. Um, and it's a, uh, a topic that I've been waiting a really long time to talk about. I've done a lot on acid-based arrangements and determining, you know, what our primary problem is, maybe looking at secondary problems and compensation and all of that good stuff. But I really haven't talked about what pH like really is, what's happening in the body in order to cause these pH problems. And the reason that I haven't talked about it and that you really don't hear it on any other podcast either is because years ago, Scott Weingard from the MCRIT podcast did a podcast series on the Stewart approach of acid-base. And it was like hella good. I mean, it was so detailed and so amazing and so eye-opening for most of us in terms of like acid-based stuff that nobody else has really wanted to touch it since he talked about it. But at this point, I think that it's kind of gotten like buried in the hundreds of episodes that he has. And I think that there's a super simple way to look at it that doesn't really involve math that I really have been kind of thinking about lately and could not pass up the opportunity to finally talk about. So without any further ado, here we go. So the first thing that you need to understand about pH and about your body in general is that your body has a bunch of electrolytes in it, right? And all of these electrolytes are electrically charged. You guessed it, right? Electrolytes are electrically charged. And so your body has a bunch of positively charged cations as well as a bunch of negatively charged anions. Um, and all of the positives have to equal all of the negatives, right? And so we have to maintain that electrical neutrality. We have to be electrically neutral inside of our body. So all the positives must equal all the negatives. On the positive side, we've got like a ton of stuff, you know, a lot of little things like our potassium and our calcium and magnesium, but the biggie is obviously our sodium. The big positive in our body is our sodium level, our normal sodium level being about 140. On the flip side of that coin, there are many anions. There are many negatively charged ions as well. The biggies are going to be your chloride as well as your bicarbonate level inside of your body. And your normal chloride level being about 102 and your normal bicarbonate level being about 24. So those two added together, 102 plus 24 is 126. But your body needs to maintain electrical neutrality, right? And so you're thinking about it and you're like, hold up. So the biggest positive in our body, sodium is 140. And then the two biggest negatives come together to equal only 126. So that's like a, a, like a difference. There's a difference in there, right? There's a gap of 14 um, between your cations and your anions. And so um, that doesn't really like make sense when you first think about it. But we'll talk about that in just one second. Speaking just for one sec about bicarb, everybody in our bicarb or everybody um, uh, in school, um, you know, they refer to bicarb as like the body's natural buffer system, right? And so everybody talks about this mysterious bicarb and it's like, yeah, the bicarb is a buffer system. And that is totally true. But I think that in order to truly understand bicarbonate and how it interacts with the body, the more appropriate name for it should probably be the body's like gap filler. Uh, and as that left my mouth, I realized why people would call it a buffer system instead of a gap filler. 
But uh, if you think of it as the body's gap filler, then you are going to be a little bit more on track as to understanding what bicarbonate truly does inside of the body. And if you look back at those numbers now, if you look at that cation number of 140 and those anion numbers of 126, we see that there is that gap, right? And we call that the anion gap. I'm sure that that's very familiar to most people listening to this call. Um, and so in this particular example with these particular numbers, the anion gap or the gap between your cations and your anion, or your anions is 14. But we need to maintain electrical neutrality. So that means that there are there are 14 negatively charged ions. There are 14 additional anion. Um, and I know that it's not like an absolute number 14. Um, uh, you, you, that's just the uh, the difference in like the you know millimoles per liter or whatever whatever measurement we're using. but um, but there are those anions in the body. Um, we just don't measure them very often or we don't measure them um, you know in a very basic lab set. And so what, are those things? What are the things that are missing that we didn't necessarily measure up front? They're things like our lactate, which we normally have a few um, a few millimoles per liter of lactate. We normally have some sulfate, some phosphate, and then we have our albumin. And in a normal person, guess how much those four things add up to be? Like fourteen, they those are all of the missing things, right? So those are the missing anions that we don't normally just measure up front. That would make the difference between our cations and our anions zero, right? There is no difference between the two. They have to be exactly the same because our body has to be electrically neutral. There is no difference between the positives and negatives. So, in your body, kind of looking now at at those anions and that anion gap, what happens if you have something going on inside your body that leads to some increased need for glycolysis and your lactate goes up? What if your lactate goes from two, which is like a normal normal high number, uh, up to six? So you have now an increased amount of lactate on your negative side uh, of your body, on those anion sides of your body. Now, your body will not accept a higher level of negative charged ions, a higher level of anions than it has cations, right? Your body has to maintain a, a perfect balance between the positives and the negatives. And so what your body's going to do is it's going to pee out, it's going to excrete some bicarbonate in the urine. And the normal bicarb level is 24. So um, if your lactate goes from two to six, it goes up by four, then guess what your bicarb's going to do? It's going to go like down by four, right? It's going to go down from 24 down to 20. And now we have a bicarb of 20. We have a lactate of six. All of your other anions stay the same. And we now have the exact same amount of negatively charged ions inside of that blood. On the flip side of that coin, what happens if your patient is like really diluted or something like that? And they're albumin, which is our predominant weak acid in our body, um, our albumin goes to 2.1. It's normally like 4, 4.2. So it goes down to 2.1. So one of our acids goes down. Well, the kidneys 
are not going to uh, are not going to tolerate that our body is going to be like uh uh-uh, uh no way we can't have less negatives and so your kidneys are going to reuptake some more bicarbonate and our bicarb is going to go from like 24 to 26 right and so it's going to go up in order to fill that gap in order to fill the gap between the negatives and the positives which is why yes bicarbonate is a buffer system that's exactly what it really is but it all it does is it has the ability to fill the gap and it's and it can be as little as possible or as little as it needs to or it can be as big as it needs to that's that is all bicarbonate does is it just assures that the difference between the positively charged ions in your body and the negatively charged ions in your body is zero that's all bicarbonate does so it is a dependent variable and it depends on all of the other anions inside of your body and so if you kind of think about that, it's like pretty simple. If your bicarbonate level is high, then that means that there are some other anions that are missing, right? That are relatively low if your bicarbonate is high. And what are the other anions that we've been talking about this whole time? It could be your chloride, which is your your largest predominant anion. It could be your lactate, or it could be your albumin, Um, And if you're missing those things, if you're missing like weak acids like albumin or you're missing lactate, you're no longer going to be releasing hydrogen into the bloodstream if those acids are not present in their normal concentrated uh, uh, numbers. And so the patient's pH will be high because remember that pH is just the basically the inverse Uh, concentration of hydrogen in your body. It's the negative log of the concentration of hydrogen in the body. So the more hydrogen you have in your body, the lower your pH. If your weak acids like albumin or your lactate are low, they're not releasing hydrogen into the bloodstream and your pH goes up because there isn't as much hydrogen floating around. And so if your chloride or your lactate or your albumin are low, you're going to see a high bicarbonate level. And so a lot of people mistakenly say that bicarb is like this big base, right? Because bicarbonate, if bicarbonate is high, then you then it's a base. And so you're going to be really basic if your bicarbonate is high. And that's just not true. Your bicarbonate is just a filler, right? Your bicarbonate is the straw in the bottom of the Easter basket. So that way your parents don't have to spend as much money on candy, right? That's all bicarbonate is. And you can take more straw uh, and put it in the basket if you really don't want to buy candy, or you can take a bunch of straw away if you want to fill that whole thing up with candy, right? That's all bicarbonate is. And so if one of your other independent variables is high, then your bicarbonate is going to be reflexively low. If one of your independent variables like chloride, lactate, and albumin is really low for some reason, then your bicarb is going to be high in order to fill that gap. So we're starting to develop a little bit of a pattern then when we're talking about acid base in the body, right? Um, We're starting to see that like, if your chloride is high or low, your lactate or your albumin are high or low, um, then your pH is not going to be normal, right? It has nothing to do with your bicarb level. Your bicarb is going to just change depending on those three things or or some other things as well. But um, but if one of those things changes, then your pH is also going to change. And so really what determines pH? your chloride, your lactate, and your weak acids in your body. We say albumin because it's the most predominant, or it's a large predominant weak acid in the body, but it's really all of your weak acids together, your chloride, your lactate, and your weak acids inside of your body.
it really has nothing to do with bicarb. So like, why the hell do we care about bicarb, right? Um, uh, the reason that we kind of care about bicarb is because if we see that the bicarbonate is low, we know for a fact that there has to be some other anion like chloride or lactate or albumin that is higher than it normally should be. And if those are higher than they should normally be, that especially lactate and albumin, then they're releasing additional hydrogen and the pH is going to be low. So if your bicarb is low, we know that there's some other like acid or some other anion that's releasing that hydrogen into the body and creating a low pH. So that's why we kind of care about bicarb, but it doesn't really mean anything, right? We need to find what is going on that's causing that bicarb to not be normal. Now that, granted, what I've been talking about is definitely a, a slight simplification of some things, but I mean, it's all sound. It's just a simple way of saying things, I guess. Haters are totally going to say like, well, Austin, what if they're dehydrated? Their chloride's going to be high. Um, and I'm like, first of all, cayete bandejo. But, uh, but yeah, totally. Like, fine, you're right, right? If the person is super dehydrated, um, you know, their chloride's going to be falsely high. So I guess we can't really take chloride at face value. But if we like compare it to something else in the blood as well, then it could probably be a little bit more of an accurate reading. And what could we possibly compare chloride to? Well, how about its counterpart? sodium, like the other component of salt, right? And so if the patient is dehydrated, sure, like their chloride is going to be falsely elevated, but so will their sodium levels. But the gradient or the difference between these two um, ions, these two, um, uh, uh, the, the, the predominant cation, which is sodium, and the predominant anion, which is chloride, the gradient should remain the same. And the gradient between these two things, we call the strong ion difference, just as an FYI. Not super important that you really remember that at all. The difference should be approximately 38 um, between those two, because a normal sodium is like 140 and a normal uh, chloride is 102. So the difference between those two, or your strong ion difference, should be approximately 38. So if the chloride is actually high, like a sodium of 140 and a chloride of 108, so the difference is only 32 instead of 38. So if the chloride is actually high and not just elevated because of dehydration, then the difference between your sodium and your chloride is going to be less than 38. And that's really like almost the, the final answer to this equation, right? So if the difference between your sodium and your chloride is less than 38, like it's only you know 25 or whatever, then you're acidotic. We would call that a hyperchloremic acidosis. And it's an acidosis that you will always get when you uh, infuse a ton of normal saline into somebody, right? Because you have 154 millimoles per liter of sodium and 154 milli, uh, millimoles per liter of chloride that you're putting into their body when you give them normal saline because the sodium and the chloride are equal. But we should have a gradient, right? We should have a gradient of the sodium being 38 millimoles per liter higher than the chloride we're infusing into their body. Um, um, and that would actually be completely pH neutral fluid when it comes to our strong ions. Um, but that's just not the, that's not the case with, um, with, uh, uh, with saline. Um, <clears throat> granted, if you added some like bicarbonate into that fluid, it would make it a little better, but, uh, uh, but let's not even, uh, let's not even go there. Um, so, uh, outside of your strong ions, like the difference between your sodium and your chloride, if your lactate is greater than two, you're also acidotic. If your albumin is greater than four, you're 
also acidotic. So that's really that's really it. Like that's acid base. If your strong ions are less than 38, you're acidotic. If your lactate's high, you're acidotic. And if your albumin's high, you're also acidotic. It's really that simple. However, what happens if you're acidotic and then this happens? So you have a pH of like 7.28, got a CO2 of 30 and a bicarb of 16. So you're like, all right, so pH is low, CO2 is low, meaning that the dude's in a metabolic acidosis. Um, you look at the sodium and it's 138. You look at the chloride and it's 100. So the difference is 38, right? Um, so you're like, okay, cool. Like they're not acidotic because of that. They're not acidotic because of a an elevated chloride. You look at the lactate and it's 1.8. So you're like, all right, well, that's normal too. So that's not the problem. And then you look at the albumin and it's 4.0. And you're like, huh, well, that's normal too. And you're like, damn it. Austin just told me that those are the three things that manipulate your pH balance in your body. So why the hell is that bicarbonate level 16 and not 24 like it should be? And why is the pH low? All that means is that your patient is producing some other acid in the body, some other what we would call a pathologic acid in the body, or they have taken in some acids into the body like toxic alcohols or or they drink some antifreeze or something like that and they have like got like ethylene glycol or some something like that. So they still do the same thing to acid base as like lactate does. They are still anions, but what they're doing is they're 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 filling in more of that unmeasured space that we normally have, that little gap that we normally have of 14, it's filling that space a little bit more. So you're still completely electrically neutral. You still have an equal amount of positives and negatives, but the bicarbonate recognizes that, or the kidneys rather, really recognize and the brain recognize that there are more negatively charged ions in the body than there should be. And so it tells the kidneys to pee out some bicarb to make room for it, right? Take some of the fluff out of that Easter basket in order to maintain electrical neutrality. And so I don't want to get into like the true hardcore calculation of like the Stewart approach because it's pretty simple if you just kind of dumb it down a little bit, um, but it is profoundly helpful. So without doing a lot of math, let's take a look at the Stewart approach without math. Uh, and it can be very helpful. So let's look at the septic patient. So the septic patient has a pH of 7.28, has a CO2 of 27, and a bicarb of 16. And you also see on the uh, on the ABG printout that they have a base excess of negative 10. And so we know immediately pH of 7.28, that's low. CO2 of 27 is low. So that person has a metabolic acidosis. You can also just look at that base excess and say if the base excess is less than negative two, they have a metabolic acidosis, right? Because what is base excess? Base excess takes the current pH and it does all it does is it makes the CO2 40. So it completely takes the respiratory compensation out of the pH value. And then whatever that pH is, it says, okay, so if you add this amount of base, this amount of, of uh, millimoles per liter of base into this solution, the pH would then be 7.4 and it would be perfect. So that's all base excess is, is it is completely reflective of the metabolic component of 
acid base. Um, and I did a whole episode on base excess like a year-ish ago, um, uh, toward the beginning of when I started doing this project, actually. All right, so what it's really saying, though, is that when you have a base excess that is negative, it means that there's additional acids in there. If you have a base excess that's positive, then that means you have too many bases in there, right? And so the base excess of negative 10, all that really means is you've got 10 millimoles per liter of acid that are hiding in the body. And we just need to go find them. And we need to make sure that we cover all of our bases, lol. Um, and so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to look at that strong ion difference, right? So base excess negative 10, that means we are needing to locate 10 millimoles per liter of acids to assure that we found all the problems inside this person's body, right? And right now we're just kind of assuming that they're a septic patient. And so let's see if we can find 10 millimoles per liter of acid. So the first thing we look at is those strong ions. So we have a sodium of uh, 139, we have a chloride of 103. So the difference between 139 and 103 is just what, 36? Um, and so 36, right? But it should be 38. So it's too, um, it's too less than it should be, right? So remember that if it's less than 38, then they've got some sort of acidosis happening, some sort of hyperchloremic acidosis happening. And so that is too um, uh, uh, two less than it should be. So we found two acids right there, right? We found two millimoles per liter of acid. So now instead of our base excess being negative 10, we have found two of those, right? So um, now we're just looking for eight more. And we look at our lactate and we see that our lactate is currently four. So we're like, sweet, there's another four, right? And so now instead of trying to find eight acids, now we're only trying to find four of them. We look at our albumin and our albumin is 4.0, um, which is totally normal. So like that doesn't really change our uh, uh, change our hunt. We're still looking, right? So we started off with 10 millimoles per liter of acid. We found two of them with that strong ion difference between the sodium and chloride. We found another four in the lactate, but we still are freaking looking for a four more millimoles per liter of acid. And we're like, where the hell are these things? So now let's go ahead and take a look at the rest of this patient, right? And so we look at their history. We see that they're a diabetic. We look at their labs. We're looking through their chemistry and everything else. And we're like, oh shit, this guy's got a blood sugar of 455, like six hours ago when they did the last chemistry. And so then we start flipping through their lab sheet and we look at their UA and it's positive for ketones. So we're like, oh, like good thing we looked because now we just realized that we've been treating this septic patient thinking that they just need some like fluids, pressors, antibiotics. Um, uh, when in fact, now that we've been using this method, the steward approach to try to locate all of those missing acids in this body, we now realize that some of those missing acids were keto acids. And this patient is also in DKA and we need to shift our treatment a little bit in order to more, to, to better serve this patient. All right. I think that's probably it. This is going to be a much shorter podcast today. Hopefully that made sense to like three people on the planet just now, but it has been something that I've been wanting to get off my chest for like a long time. If you guys like this episode, then please, you know, give, uh, give us a nice, uh, review on Apple podcasts or whatever, um, platform you guys listen to. Um, if you want me to do more episodes on this type of stuff, uh, let me know at my email at Kaiser CPR at gmail.com. That's K-I-S-E-R-C-P-R at gmail.com. And I will see you guys in two weeks.